Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, and you're going to head to the ninth chapter. That's where we're finding ourselves today. We uh, follow a thing called the lectionary. The liturgical calendar guides us on a regular basis each week. Fancy words for just saying church calendar. There's four passages of scripture each week. One of them for this week was read earlier by Rachel, who was singing with our worship team this morning. It sets the scene. Moses goes up the mountain, comes down, and his face is shining. You remember the words that she read just a few moments ago? It's kind of like a larger-than-life story, which is sometimes what we feel when we head back into the Old Testament, go back to the deepness of Genesis and Exodus, and you're like, these things are amazing. He goes up the mountain. He receives the Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain. His face is shining, so much so that the people are blinded by it, which I thought this would be the perfect time to break out in song, that I was blinded by the light. And anybody with me? And no one actually knows what the next few verses are or the words are, but they always think they do. And you're like, I don't know which way to go on this one. All right. That was just for me. Um, that's where I was thinking. So Moses come down. He's got this, this thing happening where his face is so radiant and the people don't know what to do with it. And he begins to have to veil his face every time that he hangs out with God so that the people aren't scared, which is interesting to me because this story about Moses gets picked up by a guy named Paul in a book called Corinthians, one of his letters to his friends in Corinth. And he makes reference to it. And he actually kind of almost makes it, makes it sound bad, like Moses had to veil himself because the people, and he said things like, the people were hard of hearts. You're like, oh, that's an interesting phrase. Was he just making a judgment call about the people in the Old Testament and he was bringing it to his present day reality wherever he was in that old, early church um, setting? But then today, the story from the gospel has to do with some light and some veiling, things like that. So let's jump in together. Here we go. We find this passage beginning in verse 28. Give you a lay of the land. We're going to read through it, and then I'm going to go back and start again and kind of show some things that have popped out to me this week. So we've got this thing. It's called the Transfiguration. Verse 28 of chapter 9 in the book of Luke. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with, with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. 
A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. And the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. And that's where the story ends for today's reading. Perhaps it's familiar territory for you. Perhaps it's one of those stories you're like, I don't even remember this thing happening. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we, we kind of term in the biblical world these synoptic gospel writers, these guys are telling a lot of the same stories from their own angle. They've experienced the good news of Jesus Christ. They are writing it for various audiences. Luke has, has a, he's got a benefactor, a guy who paid some money to say, hey, would you tell me about the account of Jesus, which is why Luke writes this account of the gospel of Luke that we have right now. But then a guy named Matthew, well, Matthew knows that he's writing his story to a highly Jewish audience. And then there's Mark, and we love Mark because Mark gets it done in less words. He's the shortest gospel writer, only 16 chapters. It's a beautiful thing. You can read it under an hour. Where Luke and Matthew, they're what we call verbose. They add a little bit. They give more detail. They go into things. And you can understand why a guy named Luke goes into detail because he's a doctor. He wants to get the details right. And so when he includes this story, not unlike the other story writers, he's wanting to make sure that people understand this moment happened. And not just his telling of it, but his friends tell it as well. And so this moment that they go up on this mountain and Jesus has changed, and we know this is transfiguration. And some people will celebrate that day today all across the world. They call it Transfiguration Sunday. Sometimes it happens in other parts of the, the calendar year. Some people will celebrate it today. What's the point of this transfiguration? All right, so we need to deep dive a little bit. And so let's go through this one more time with a little bit more clarity and point out some things. And so for this, I wanted to pretend like I was writing on a piece of paper. So here we go. I'm going back to the beginning, and I think we've got the slides to show. At about eight days, at days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Push pause. We've got to highlight some things here. Some words I need you to know about. All right, I think the next slide will show. Uh, all right, there we go. It's the word this. About eight days after Jesus said this, what in the world is the this? Have you ever been given that moment that you have to go read this Bible verse, and it says this word, you're like, oh, something happened before, but I don't know what happened before. Well, let's remember what this is. is. This this is therefore, because Jesus was just talking about his death. Prior to this, eight days prior, he was talking about, hey, there's going to come a day where I'm going to go die. And you can imagine what the disciples were up to. They're like, oh. Jesus is getting crazy again. Let's, let's make sure that he keeps this to himself. Let's not tell too many people about that. So the this in this passage is about Jesus talking about his death. That gives some context to the storyline that we have. So eight days after he talks about his death, he goes up on a mountain. I don't know about you, but when you've talked about your death, do you go on a mountain hike? Maybe you're supposed to, but mountains are places that people go for clarity. It still happens to this day. How many of you have seen a mountain in the distance? You're like, I want to go climb that. I have a friend. I was just hanging out with them, and they're like, ooh, for my bachelor party, I'm going to Yosemite. And I was like, oh, yes. You cannot drive through that tunnel. The moment you see the valley in the distance, you're like, there's El Capitan, and there's Half Dome far out that way. There's Bridal Veil Falls. This is my, what I'm seeing right now. 
And you're like, I want to get to the top. People have been wanting to get to the top of the mountain forever. Because at the top of the mountain, they can see things. And you're like, of course they can. They can see the great view. Yes, beyond that. But sometimes we go on the mountain trip because we want some clarity in our life. So we can't lose sight of what Jesus is trying to do to get away from the valley, to take his friends up a mountain and allow them to experience something special. Now, we don't know that all the disciples are with him, but just the three, Peter, James, and John. And by all accounts, the way that the writers tell the story, these are not his, I wouldn't say three favorites, but probably the three that paid attention the most. Ask any teacher, and you're like, all right, so which kids in your class pay attention the most? You're like, well, there's this kid, and this kid, and this kid. And you're hoping as a parent that your kid gets named. You're like, please, are they good? Did they listen? Or you have some worries. You're like, maybe they didn't listen this week. But for Peter, James, and John, they were the ones who were most attentive with Jesus as much as they could be. And this is why they get named so often in the gospel writings. So Jesus takes them up on a mountain. He's just told them eight days prior, I'm going to die. So let's go on a mountain hike. So that's where we're at. All right, let's keep reading. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. All right, we can't let this go by because there's some things we need to notice here, and I think the next slide will show us what we need to see. All right, Moses and Elijah. These guys are from the Old Testament. Moses, the story that was read earlier, comes down the mountain with the law, right? So he represents the law. Now, Elijah is one of those prophets, and for every good Jewish person out there, they know that everything hinges on the law and the prophets. That's what they hold to in their faith. And so it's no mistake that it would have been Moses and Elijah hanging out with Jesus in this moment. I like to consider this is the moment almost like, do you remember, do you remember in Star Wars? All right, go with me on this. Do you remember when they're hanging out in Ewok Village and then like the, um, the image of uh, Anakin shows up? And um, even, uh, oh, who's the other one there? Exactly. You know who I'm talking about. And like, it's like, just like it's elusive and it's like ethereal. And they're just showing, this is the imagery that I have that's taking place in this moment. So we got Moses and Elijah hanging out with Jesus. So we got to make sure we understand why. All right, so Moses the law, Elijah the prophets, and then this word departure. In the original language, it's the word exodus. You got to take note of that. Because no one just drops the word exodus for fun. Because every Jewish person remembers the exodus. Every good Jewish person remembers what God did for the people who were stuck in bondage, gets them out of slavery, and frees them from their situation. Why would Luke, who's telling this story, why would they use the word exodus? Is more going on in the story than we think? I think there is. All right, we'll keep reading. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. I give you this artwork that's done by a Dutch painter from the 1800s. And there's been artwork about the transfiguration all over the place. You can find it all over the internet, which is where I went. I didn't go to the museum, I went to the internet. I went to Google. 
Google finds this imagery for you because people have done this all throughout time because the story is bigger than life. The fact that Jesus goes up the mountain is transfigured with light and these friends, Moses and Elijah, are there. But I love the detail that, that Luke gives. The disciples were sleepy. You're like, jokers, why can't you just stay awake? You're going to miss all the action. And when like, they wake up from their slumber, it's like, oh, it's too bright. Like, I love waking my kids up with brightness. It's so fun. Have you ever done this? It's so great. Like, just go into their room and just like, pull the curtains back, and they are so mad. This is kind of that moment. They're like, what's happening right now? And they're like, oh. That's the imagery of this moment. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. All right, we'll keep moving on. Peter and his companions, oh wait, I read that part. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he did not know what he was saying. I love the fact that Luke just throws this one in there, which is basically his way of saying they're idiots. <laughs> I'm serious. They're like, you... What? Peter, who we, God love him, is always out there saying stupid things. He's the guy that puts his mouth before anything else. And he wants to jump out of the boat so excited to see Jesus, and he starts sinking. He's the one who's like, no, 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 no. I will never, never leave you. I will never disown you. And then there's this rooster that crows when Jesus is about to be hung on a cross. And Peter says some stupid things like, oh, you shouldn't wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus has some words for him like, would you just get behind me? Because you don't understand what's going on right now. And Peter talks so quickly. And in this moment, he's like, hey, here's a great idea. Let's just build these three shelters. It'd be cool. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. Why in the world would he say this? Oh, because he wants to be safe. He wants to keep things really close because he knows that eight days prior, Jesus said, I'm about to go die. And Peter's like, I don't want that. And some scholars will say, the reason Peter speaks like this is because he doesn't want to end up dead either. Because people knew what happened when revolutionaries started to speak in those days. It wasn't just the revolutionary who died. Most of his followers would as well because the people had enough of them talking so much. And so if Jesus dies, Peter knows that his life is also on the line. And so I love Luke's, Luke's throwaway phrase here. He doesn't know what he's saying. You're like, oh, so good. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared, covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. All right, what do we want to see in this passage or this portion? Go to that next slide and you'll see some things. We got a cloud, we got a voice, and we got this phrase, listen to him. Every time there's a cloud, you've got to pay attention because in the Old Testament, a cloud was a representative moment for God's presence. Everywhere there was a cloud, especially when God was leading the people out of Egypt, out from their bondage, he would lead them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So his presence is there. And again, could you put yourself in the storyline, going up the mountain with Jesus and his friends, and the moment the cloud shows up, you gotta be trembling. You're like, oh shoot, what's about to happen right now? And then there's this voice that 
that speaks. And it's not, it's not a squealy, weak voice. It's got to be a booming, large voice. I don't know who it is for you that represents the voice of God. But it's this loud voice that comes and says, this is my son whom I have chosen. Would you listen to him? And I love that it's a bookend. And what do I mean by that? Well, we get this story on this side. But if you remember, there's also a story about a voice coming from the heavens when Jesus was first baptized by John the Baptist out in the Jordan River. And when he comes up from the water, you remember there's almost like a dove that appears and a voice that proclaims, this is my son whom I love. And now it's, this is my son whom I have chosen. Would you listen to him? These bookended storylines that God is proclaiming on Jesus something for the people to make, make notice of. That Jesus, his words are powerful. Much like even was sung in our, our, our passage earlier in, the, in the, the song that we sang. Jesus, Jesus, it is the voice. It is the name that has meaning and power beyond what we understand it and what we know. And then finally, when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone and the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. And I just want to say, what is going on? So I highlighted uh, the did not tell anyone. You can go to that portion of the slide and I say, what and why? Like if I really was taking notes and I was really using a highlighter, that's the portion I would, I would like clue in on. Why in the world would the disciples have this astounding moment with Jesus and not want to tell anybody about it? Because again, they're fearful. They're filled with this fear and this trembling moment that perhaps what is coming to Jesus might also come to them. And they want to, they want to be safe. And I know that temptation. Because there's things in my life that I just want it to be safe. I just want it to be controllable. I want to make sure that I can dot all the I's and cross all the T's and have it exactly the way I want it. I want to, I want to make sure I can control it and not have anything fall out of my control. It's not unlike this season that we're in as parents where my oldest who is on the verge of getting her driver's license and we have to go out in a car with her. You understand what this, ha- this means? Like, why, do, why, do, why does anybody let like a 15-year-old like, get behind the wheel of a car? And then I just like play this out of my mind, like, well, no, 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 I should just drive her the rest of her life. And then I play that out and that doesn't make sense either. But if I were to be so controlling over the moment, that's what I would want it to be because I want control and I want safety. And I understand what the disciples meant that day when they're like, I don't want to tell anybody about this because I still want to control my life. And I want to control the narrative about this guy, Jesus, that we're following, that we've, we've left everything. We've left the seashore, our jobs, everything that we knew to follow this guy. And he does crazy things and he tells people that he's going to die. And, and then he starts using phrases that harken back to a reality that the Jewish people knew. So that when Luke tells the story, he talks about Exodus yet again. But why? Why in the world would they want to keep quiet about this? What's interesting is every single time that this story is told, whether Matthew tells it, whether Mark tells it, or whether Luke tells it, the very next thing that happens is Jesus heals a boy who's demon-possessed. 
Because there's these moments for us where we think, if I can have the mountaintop experience, and some of us in this room and watching online have probably had mountaintop experiences with God where like, it was the best ever when I was there, when I was at that thing, when I was listening to that person, when it, it all became clear, but then I had to go back to reality. And we're always fearful of that moment of having to go back to reality. I gotta go back into my real life. Everything was great on the weekend when it was so awesome. And now I gotta face the Monday through Friday reality of life, which is kind of the pattern that we experience in our lives anyhow. We have these highs and we have these lows and we wonder, can't it all just be highs? And the story of the transfiguration, which harkens back to what Paul mentions about what Moses had happened to him, was that our our faces, our lives are changed when we're in the presence of God, but it's not just for ourselves. It's actually for all the people around us. We have this, this burden, this mission, this calling that says, I don't just get to stay safe with Jesus any longer. I don't get to just hear his words as words of safety that say, Jesus, keep me safe, my family safe, and everybody around me safe, and then I'll love you. And if anything happens, then all bets are off, and I get to, I get to tear the contract up. And God's saying, that's not how it works. In fact, I have something to do in this world, and I want you to show the light that has come. I want you to be image bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ wherever you go. And so we get to be reflections of that light. As we are are changed by the presence of God, we also get to bring that presence wherever we go. And that is exactly what's happening in this moment for the, the disciples. And they come down the mountain, and we go into this place of darkness, and we think, oh, it's not gonna be the mountaintop anymore. And they're hit with this boy who's demon-possessed, and Jesus heals him. And he says, he's like just so frustrated that people don't get it. Because we live in places of, I just want the mountain high all the time. And I don't want to ever go to the low of the valley. But God knows as well as we do, it's the valley where real life happens. It's the valley, it's the in-between moments. It's the in-between of the goods in our life. It's this season in the valley that God is up to something for us. And he's even challenging us. Will you bring good news and good light wherever you go? Or are you just in it to be safe with God? And these are challenging times, challenging moments for us. We wonder what God is up to in this world. Like we've all been affected by the news this week of a war that's happening in another part of our world. And what is actually stressing to me is the fact that there are Christians on both sides of the issue, which sounds like a little bit of our country. There's Christians on both sides of the issue at times, and we don't understand what's really happening, but we do know that when God's presence is somewhere, it brings peace. And if I can pray about anything, I want to pray for Ukraine, but I also want to pray for Russia. I also want to pray for us. I want to pray for this world. I don't want to just have it be flippant prayers that we say, oh, I'm praying for you, and also sounds like, I don't know if you really are. But when we come down the high of our experience with God into the valley and the lowness of our lives at times, and we sometimes hang out here, and for many of you, you're here right now, and it's been that kind of a week, it's been that kind of a month, it's been that kind of a year. And you're like, when will I ever get back up the mountain with God to experience his goodness for me when everything is firing on all cylinders and everything is good? And God is saying, you actually 
will be in the valley more than you'll be on the mountaintop, which is true. We don't go to the mountaintops all that much. We go there when we have time. We go there when we have an agenda. We go there when we have a trip or an adventure or something planned, but that's not where we live. We live here, and we must come down into the reality of everyday life and continually share the light of Jesus. I bet there are dark places in your life right now that still need light. There are still people that you're connected to that it's been a long time since they've heard good news. And for us, we no longer get to have the experience that Moses did where we come down the mountain and it's too bright for the world to see. We actually want to let it shine. Which takes me back to this old crazy song that got sung when I was a kid. This idea of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it sounds great for kids, but it's real for us as adults that I have been called into every day that I live. And regardless of the interruptions that I, am, I'm, I encounter or the people on my path, I still get to bring good news wherever I go. And it's really hard sometimes because sometimes it messes my life up when the, the conversation takes longer than I expected or the person is more needy than I expected or something just messes my plans up. But if I know anything about Jesus, he was cool with the interruptions. He was good with having his plans changed so that he could bring good news to those who needed. And if I follow him well, I want to look like that. I want to make sure that wherever I go, wherever I place my feet, I bring good news of Jesus. The light shines from me in a ways that it did for Jesus that day. I don't want to be caught sleeping. I don't want to be caught saying stupid things like Peter, but I know I say stupid things, and sometimes I sleep. But I want to also be found to be the person who reflects the light of Jesus to a world that's dark. There's not a person amongst us that wouldn't say, there's some dark times. And what do we need in dark times? Oh, we need light. And we need to flip the switch. And God is calling us as his followers, to be the light. May we reflect the image of God this week differently. So let's pray. Holy Father, may we be your image bearers this week in newfound ways. May we be women and men who show the world what you are all about. We love the mountaintop moments where it's all good where everything's going great. But life is lived in the valley where there is still darkness, where people wonder, will it always be this way? And it seems, God, our, our world, our society, our culture, whatever the word is, is living in darkness right now. And we can get mad and we can get bitter and we can just try to exist away from it and be like, we're cool on our side of the street. I'm not going to exist over there. I'm not going to bring anything over there. But you constantly give us opportunity to reflect your light and your goodness to a world that needs it. So may you challenge us boldly this week. May we bring the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our lives this week and have it changed everything.
Oh, what a day of rejoicing that would be. And may that change everything. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.